Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 189, Active Ride Control. Understanding system operation is key to diagnostics. Uh, Once again, this is the one that's uh, from a trade magazine. So again, it's written more towards the technician slash shop owner. But uh, again, I I thought there was a lot of good information in there um, in regards just to help you, the owner, uh, if you're so inclined to want to understand more about your car, why hopefully you'll learn something on this one in regards to active ride control. Um, again, this is from a trade magazine that happens to be called Break and Front End, and the article was written by an Andrew Markell. He's quite a prolific writer, and uh, he is also a technician as well, and uh, I believe he also uh, he's a te- technical content director for Break and Front End. So it's all good stuff. Um, again, a couple commercials real quick. If you want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. I'm also on LinkedIn under Brad's Motorworks, so you check that out if you want to, and uh, we go from there. So let's get started. Uh, In the 1990s, adjustable valve shocks and struts were all the rage. These systems had two or three comfort and sport settings that could be changed with buttons on the dash. These systems played the role of firming up the suspension if the driver wanted a sporty feel while driving. These systems have evolved to the point where they can actively change dampening characteristics in milliseconds. Active dampening or suspension control systems can be found on luxury Asian and European vehicles. But some of the larger mainstream SUVs and minivans augment the stability control system as some of these systems work in conjunction with air ride. These systems usually go unnoticed until there is a problem or when a message is sent to the instrument cluster indicating there is a fault in the system. Swapping parts on these systems and using guesswork to diagnose a problem will usually result in an angry customer and an annoyed parts supplier. The key to servicing these systems is proper information and understanding precisely how these systems operate. Active dampeners. On old electronically adjustable systems, there was typically a small stepper motor on top of or on the side of the shock or strut that changed the size of the orifices in the piston or at the base. The compression and rebound were not independently adjustable. Most new systems use coils and or magnets to adjust rebound and compression in real time, which are sometimes called actuators or pulse motors. The internal components are non-serviceable. But on some units, the pulse motor or actuator is serviceable. Do not replace an actuator in the hope of resolving an issue. Take the time to check the actuator and the connector with a meter to see if there is an open or short circuit or if the signal voltage is present. When the valves are actuated, the orifice changes size to control fluid flow under a variety of conditions including bumps or body roll. Magnaride units used on Land Rover, Acura, and other import models use electricity to change the viscosity of the fluid. Magnaride has no mechanical valves or small moving parts that can wear out, but the seals can go bad. The dampers are filled with, wow, magneto, <laughs> magnetoheological fluid. Boy, I may have butchered that one. 
magnetorheological fluid, a mixture of easily magnetized iron particles in a synthetic hydrocarbon oil. In each of the monotube dampeners is a piston containing two electromagnetic coils and two small fluid passages through the piston. The electromagnets are able to create a variable magnetic field across the fluid passages. Just like normal shocks and struts, they can develop leaks around the shaft seal and the piston seal can wear. But physical damage is the main destroyer of active dampeners. And, like conventional shocks and struts, the springs and bushings must be in good condition for the unit to perform to its full potential. Vehicle Networking Most electronic suspension control systems with active dampeners independently control the four units in order to change the vehicle's ride characteristics and overall stability. Most active ride control systems have their own module that might also control the air ride system. This module will reside on one of the higher speed serial data buses so it can work with the stability control module. Systems need information like vehicle speed, steering angle, and readings from the yaw and accelerometer to measure the spring mass. The stability control module typically shares this information over a serial data network. If there is an issue with the network and the modules can't communicate, you may have codes from the ride control system along with communication codes and your scan tool might not be able to see or talk to the modules. Sensors. For an electronically controlled active dampening system to work, it must be able to read the road. Most systems use a Hall effect sensor that measures suspension displacement. Some more advanced systems use accelerometers mounted on top of the strut or shock tower, often known as vertical G sensors. These sensors can help the system interpret body motion and bumps and translate them into changes in the dampening. The sensors and other information can determine if the suspension movement is just the body leaning or is the result of the vehicle hitting a pothole. It is up to the control module to analyze and filter the information to determine the proper dampener setting in real time. Like all modern automotive systems, these sensors can fail set codes and will require calibration if replaced. Diagnostics. The most common complaint from customers who are experiencing active ride control issues is nose dive during braking. Some may notice a harsh ride, but a warning message is what will bring them into the shop. The problem with most systems is that the modules do not, do not have set monitors that can set and produce hard codes. The system will clear the code on the next key cycle or after the vehicle has been turned off after a specific amount of time. However, the light will stay on if a sensor or actuator is open, shorted, or out of range. If you have a vehicle in your shop with active ride control, you have to look not only at the dampeners, but the entire system. If there is an ABS or stability control light on, these items need to be resolved before continuing with active ride control diagnostics. Simple items like a brake pedal switch that is defective or out of range can cause a code to be set. There are aftermarket replacement options for active ride control units as well as sensors and modules. If the value of the vehicle does not warrant the cost of an expensive repair, passive units are also available. That's the end of the article. What he's talking about there is basically removing the active suspension system and putting in just a normal passive type system. In other words, whether it be springs, but obviously regular shocks that are not considered an active ride control system. So you're basically putting the system, the, the suspension, back to what would be considered old technology. Okay, which, you know, <clears throat> from the standpoint of 
actually doing the repair, it may very well be less expensive to do it that way, but essentially you're devaluing the, the what should be the value of the car because it no longer would have active suspension. So anyway, that's the end of that one. Hopefully you got something out of it. It was kind of a quickie, like I mentioned. And um, you go from there with it. So, again, just, uh, you know, trying to let you know kind of a little bit of the ins and outs of different, some of these different systems on the cars. So I hope you found it enlightening and informative. And, again, if you want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. And, once again, I'm also on LinkedIn under Brad's Motorworks. So check that out and uh, you know if you have any ideas for me as far as possible future podcast titles or subject matters by all means let me know and uh, we go from there i appreciate your time appreciate you listening i hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow thank you again thank you for listening to this episode it's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you. And thank you again.